Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Hypno Dojo. I'm Linda Campbell. I'm a registered clinical counseling hypnotherapist, director of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators, and I run the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy. Uh, Hypno Dojo is geared towards students and practitioners of hypnotherapy who want to business practice tips and ideas as to how to get more clients and do better work with your clients. Today's show is going to be about premature ejaculation, although everything I'm saying in this show can be applied to difficulty with getting an erection, and when we get on to how to address these issues, a lot of this can be applied to performance anxiety of any kind, whether it's sexual performance or getting up to give a presentation or musical performance or athletic performance. It's all applicable. So we're going to get right into the content. First, uh, I had a student who received an email a while back from somebody who wanted to discuss how much he was coming. It sounded from the email like he was referring to the actual quantity, and my student was a bit concerned because the email seemed a little dodgy, a little sketchy, and she wasn't sure if this was a real client who actually had a problem or somebody who was looking for a hypnotherapist to talk dirty to him. So that's where I want to start is how can you tell if your client is actually serious about their goal or if they're looking for somebody to just give them some naughty suggestions in hypnosis? And my answer to this is to be professional. If you tell the client your strategy, explain that it's therapeutic work, meaning that you're going to be discussing and addressing any relevant history, any messages the person's received growing up around sexuality that could still be impacting on them, any experiences that they've had that may be responsible for causing or contributing to the symptom, then generally that's going to scare away anybody who's just looking for some some naughty talk. So the work that I generally do is not just suggesting away symptoms. So if somebody has difficulty with getting an erection, I'm not having them in my chair listen to me say a bunch of stuff about being able to have a hard cock. I'm basically talking to them about whatever beliefs or experiences are impacting on them that have made it difficult for them to be able to get an erection. So for example, uh, I've had a few clients who, when they were kids and they were masturbating, there was this shame and guilt around it and this desire to kind of get over and done with as quickly as possible so as not to be caught by mom. So later on in life, there's still this old program of need to get it done quickly and having guilt or shame around the act. And so in this case, the person's got this belief that sex is somehow wrong or dirty, it needs to be completed quickly, and that's being carried out in partner sex. So I'm looking for events that have led the client to form beliefs that have resulted in symptoms. I'm not just addressing away the symptoms. So when I tell the client that I'm not necessarily going to be talking about the symptoms specifically, that I'm not going to be referring to the sex act during our conversations, during our hypnosis, that I'm going to be looking at the impact of past events, relationships, messages that they've received, beliefs formed as a result of those experiences. Again, if you describe the process in a professional way, make it sound clinical, like it's actual therapy, you're going to be able to tell if somebody is disappointed 
need or if they're actually like, yeah, that's exactly what I need, and they're ready to go ahead. So just a little, you know, heads up, there will be some people who are thinking that this is going to be some kind of erotic hypnosis as opposed to therapeutic hypnosis. So you want to, you know, get that over and done with right off the top. So some things to listen for or to look for during the consultation. So I generally do an hour free consultation with any client who's interested in using my services. And there's a few purposes for this. One, obviously, we need to build rapport. I need to get them information about hypnosis, make sure that they're comfortable with my process. I'm also checking them out. Is this a goal I feel I can help them with? Do I feel as though they have the proper motivation and interest in resolving the goal? And I'm also getting a pretty thorough history from them relevant to the goal so that I can listen for things that I would want to address in hypnosis, and then I can let them know this is what my strategy would involve. These are the things that I would be working on. That way the client knows exactly what we're going to be doing before either one of us commit to working with one another. And so there's a number of things when it comes to premature ejaculation or difficulty with erection that I'm asking about in order to start listening for, you know, where has this client got a belief that's not working for them? Where have they had an experience that's still impacting on them? Where have they been given a message that's still causing problems so that I can address those things in hypnosis? So the first thing that I'm going to be listening for is sort of, you know, the theory that how we do one thing is how we do everything. So although this may be showing up as a sexual issue, there actually may be other areas in this person's life where performance is an issue overall. And they're just coming because they're focusing on sex because that's what's most pressing or that's what's on their mind. But in fact, it's a much broader goal. So, for example, I had a client who had premature ejaculation, and I had asked him uh, if he has difficulty finishing in any other area of his life. And he kind of looked at me strangely and said, no, I don't think that's a problem. And then he went home and I guess had an experience. He's a filmmaker. Uh, He was working on a piece of film and he was getting frustrated. He was trying to edit it and it wasn't working out properly. And I guess he threw a fit and stormed out of the room and made some comment about that. You know, if I can't do it perfectly, why bother? And his girlfriend stopped and said, you know, you take that attitude a lot, that if you can't do something perfectly, you just give up halfway through. And he looked at her and went, oh, thank you, because he realized that that underlying belief, if it can't be done perfectly, don't do it at all, was actually responsible for his frustration with filmmaking, but also would show up in his sex life as well. So he came back and we worked on that theme that of perfection, that it has to be a certain way or it's a failure. It's it's not successful. And not only were we able to resolve his issues with premature ejaculation, but he actually had more patience and perseverance in other areas of his life as well and was able to give up on perfection, you know, or at least he wasn't being driven by, you know, perfection and if I can't do it right, I'm not going to do it. It was more being driven by passion and excitement than a fear of failure. And so I'm looking for, you know, is this a pattern that shows up in the person's life in other areas, or is this just specific to their sex life? So I'm looking for, is there a bigger issue that needs to be addressed? And we're only currently talking about one aspect of it. 
I'm also going to, of course, find out when the problem began. I'm going to ask the client, is this an issue when it comes to masturbation? I'm not going to ask if they masturbate. Just assume that they do. People might feel uncomfortable if you ask if they do and might just say no (laughs) because they're afraid of being judged or something. And then you miss out on a whole area where you could be getting some information. So if the person does not have an issue with premature ejaculation when they masturbate, or an issue with erection when they masturbate, then it's probably not a physical issue. There's something else going on. There's something about the partner dynamic, something about you know having a relationship or a connection or intimacy with another person that's creating the problem. So I want to find out if it's an issue when they're alone. I also want to find out if it's been an issue in previous relationships. So is this something that's just gone on since day one? In some cases, uh, premature ejaculation occurs because when somebody initially has sex, again, they're used to getting it over and done with quickly when they masturbate, and then when it comes time to have sex, it's novel and new and exciting, and it's normal when it's new and exciting for somebody to come more quickly. But then they get in their heads that that's how it's going to be. Oh, my God, I don't last long enough. And as soon as somebody gets in their head and starts giving themselves that negative message, they're now carrying that over into other interactions as well. So I want to find out if this was the the case all along, or did it start in a specific relationship? So in that case, I'm looking for messages they may have received from a partner. I'm looking for dynamics in a relationship, past or present. Uh, Is there something about a relationship, something about a particular partner that's caused this to go sideways? Uh, So, for example, I had a client who had difficulty with getting an erection, and he would work night shifts, and then he would come home really early in the morning exhausted, and his girlfriend, who he lived with, would want to have sex, and he would be too tired, and she would actually ridicule him and tell him he wasn't a man and tell him he's not a good lover and all of this stuff. So, fast forward, obviously, that relationship ended, and he was in a different relationship, and was no longer working night shifts, but there was some damage done to his ego by the previous girlfriend. Now there was all this pressure to please the the new girlfriend, and also this feeling like sex was something you have to do on demand for the other person. It had taken the joy out of it for him. So he was having difficulty with erections because there was so much pressure to perform in his past relationship and such a negative association made with sex that, you know, basically, again, he was carrying that over into his current relationship. So the subconscious is illogical. (laughs) One dog bites us, it assumes all dogs are dangerous. So it doesn't necessarily understand the difference between this partner and that partner, this relationship, that relationship. If one person has made us feel emasculated or, uh, you know, less than or not manly or whatever, then that can be projected onto the next person. So I'm taking them through sort of a, you know, a history of their relationships to see when did this problem start, what was going on in the relationships where it was an issue, you know, where did it go from being normal and okay to being uh, difficult? So I'm looking at past and present relationships. I also want to find out things like if they've got a current partner, is that partner supportive? Is that partner a good communicator? What does that partner say to you about your sex life? The person might think that our sex life is terrible because I can't perform But that's actually only something they're saying inside their own heads. The partner has actually never said it. So I want to find out, you know, what's the reality of what's going on in the relationship. I want to know if anybody, past or present, has ever made them feel like less of a man in or out of the bedroom. So here's another thing that I'll be looking for. 
I'm going to be looking for any situation where the person has been emasculated or has felt less manly because there may be situations in this person's life that are impacting on them and now it's showing up in the bedroom. So, for example, I had a client who had a perfectly normal sexual interaction with his wife until they decided to have kids. Now, she made more money, and because she made more money, they decided that when they had kids that she would stay home and – or, sorry, he would stay home and take care of the kids, and she would be the breadwinner. And he agreed to this and felt perfectly fine with it. (laughs) However, he started having difficulty with erections and hadn't peace these two things together, but he recognized that in hypnosis on some level he was feeling like he was less of a man because it's the man's job to provide for the family. It's the man's job to be the breadwinner, and she was doing it. And so because he had this belief in his head that he wasn't really a man, that he was less of a man, he was actually... He was actually having that play out in his physical body when it came to sex. So I'm not just asking questions about relationship history and sexual history, but I also want to find out if there's been situations in general that have made this person feel like they're not being a man, that, they're, that they've been emasculated. I'm listening for things um, like a standoff between partners. So sometimes you'll see this dynamic in a relationship where it's like, if you do X, then I'll do Y, right? So I had a guy who was having difficulty with erections because his girlfriend wanted him to be more helpful around the house and more romantic. And he kind of had this feeling like, love me for who I am. I shouldn't have to change in order to make you happy. So there was a standoff that she wasn't going to have sex with him until he was being more romantic and helpful. And so he quit getting erections as a way of kind of saying, screw you to that whole um, dynamic. So when somebody feels pressured to have to do something, sometimes the natural response is do the exact opposite. And so you're looking for standoffs. Is this possibly the person taking a power stance against somebody? I'm not going to have sex. Look, I can't. I can't get an erection because there's pressure for them to do something that they don't feel comfortable doing. When I'm talking to the client about past and present relationships, I'm also listening for any relationships where they've been mothered by the other person. So I had a, a guy whose you know, wife was very kind of step in and take care of everything, very type A, and she managed the finances and she managed the household, and he basically was kind of shoved into a role of he does what she tells him to do. And in hypnosis, it became obvious that he didn't want to have sex with his mom or somebody who felt like a mom to him. So again, I'm asking a lot of questions about relationships, past and present. I'm looking for these kind of dynamics because even though it may not be going on in a current relationship, the subconscious doesn't understand the difference, as I mentioned, between this person and that person, and old patterns can be carried over to a current situation. I'm also looking for any messages the person's received around sex that could still be impacting on them. These might be messages they got from parents, that they got through peers, that they got at school, again, from ex-partners. The subconscious is... 
it doesn't necessarily update the things that we've been taught. So when we're little, we're just taking in everything we're told and we're storing away in the subconscious. And because the subconscious is illogical, it doesn't go through those messages and say, well, this one was never true or that one was just somebody in a bad mood. It just hangs on to all of them. And then at different points in our lives, we're also prone to taking in messages from the people around us. If it's somebody we place in a position of authority or if it's a peer, somebody we want to like us, we'll be open to receiving into our deeper mind those messages that they give us and then we just carry them forward. So I had kind of an amusing example from one of my clients. Um, when he was a kid, one of his friends told him, they were young, like probably seven or eight years old, that when you have sex with somebody, you have to pee inside the girl. And he was so grossed out about this that he actually had difficulty getting erections when it came time for him to experiment sexually. So in his mind, like his logical mind, he really wanted to have sex, but his subconscious was like, oh, that's disgusting. I don't want to do that. Even though he knew at his older age that you don't have to pee inside of somebody, that old belief was still stored on a subconscious level and was affecting his ability to perform. Uh, I had another client who, when he was a kid, heard his parents having sex, and mom was really loud, and he was afraid that his father was hurting his mother. And so he developed this belief in his subconscious that sex could be painful for the woman or harmful to a woman. And so, again, he was unable to perform, had difficulty with erection because he didn't want to hurt the other person. Now, again, nobody's thinking this consciously. He didn't think consciously that he was going to hurt somebody. But when you pick up an old belief and it doesn't get updated, it's still running in the subconscious. And that part of your mind is responsible for 90 to 95% of your behavior. So even though in a rational mind you know sex is pleasurable, she likes it, if the subconscious is saying, oh, my God, this is going to hurt her, then, again, that can affect how the body responds. So I want to find out, did the parents talk about sex? If they did, what did they say? Uh, was sex something to feel guilt or shame around? Is the person possibly still carrying forward some of those feelings? Uh, was sexual exploration discouraged or encouraged? I want to find out about early sex sexual exploration as well. So, you know, were there any episodes of You Show Me Mine, I'll Show You Yours, or Playing Doctor? And if so, what was that like? Was it uncomfortable or did it feel okay? Did it feel like, you know, kids just being curious or was there something that felt shameful or wrong or dirty about it? Because again, even though the person knows sex between consenting adults is a pleasurable thing I'm entitled to enjoy that. If they've got some negative association to sex from somewhere in the past, that can still be affecting performance. So again, I'm taking a sexual history. I'm finding out messages they would have received from peers and partners and parents. I want to find out if they've had any kind of sex education. And if so, what was that like for them? Was it comfortable, uncomfortable? Did it feel like good information, inaccurate information? I'm looking, obviously, for anything that could still be impacting on this person's performance. Now, if there's nothing that comes up, if there's nothing readily evident, then there are different things you can do in hypnosis in order to identify what's responsible for the problem. So you can always do some kind of regression to cause, um, you know, become aware of any event or situation that's responsible for your difficulty with uh, getting erection or premature ejaculation. Or you could do parts therapy, have them speak to the part of themselves that knows everything there is to know about the difficulty they're having with sex and find out what that part knows, <laughs> what, it, what it understands is responsible. And then, of course, you're going to address whatever comes up. 
So if I don't gather the information during the consultation, then I'm going to find out in hypnosis. I mean, I, I always prompt the subconscious for more information in hypnosis anyway, because even though you may have a conversation with somebody about what's responsible, they may or may not know exactly what's responsible. And there can be more than one thing that's tied in here. So when I move on to addressing it, there's a few different angles that I approach here as well. Um, One is to give new messages or new tools to the client. So I want to work on what-if thinking. Oftentimes when somebody has difficulty with performance, any kind of performance, they go into a performance thinking, oh, my God, what if I can't do this? What if it doesn't go well? What if I'm judged? You know, what if I fail? And, again, this can be sexual performance, but it can be giving a speech or, you know, presenting or athletic performance. And as soon as somebody is in their head focusing on what could go wrong, it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Instead of just being natural, instead of just doing things the way they know how to do them effortlessly, they're up in their heads thinking. And as soon as you start thinking, you're not as natural. Things don't flow as easily. So I want to get them away from the what-if thinking And I want to get them to focus on what is, on noticing what's actually taking place, being able to stay in their bodies, being able to stay grounded, being able to stay present in the experience instead of going off into worst-case scenarios or, you know, what if I fail kind of thinking. Now, one way to get people to focus on what's actually taking place when it comes to sex is to suggest that they start really paying attention to the information that their senses are picking up. So, you know, thankfully when it comes to sex, there's lots of things to hear and smell and taste and touch and and see. And so when you get the person to maybe they have one sense that's particularly more active during sex or just suggest all of them, when you get a person to go into their sensory experience, it takes them away from their head. It, it takes them away from thinking. So that's one angle, is to get them to focus on what is, to get them to be more present, to get them to pick up on what's going on with their sensory experience. Another angle that I'll take is I'll suggest to the person that they just let the sexual experience be whatever it's going to be. Remove any expectations of themselves that it has to go a certain way, that an erection is necessary, or that you know uh, having a long um, sexual experience is necessary. It doesn't matter how long or short it is. Now, sometimes when I start talking about this, clients get scared because they don't want it to just be the way it's been. But it's a bit of a trick. Uh, when we put pressure on ourselves for things to have to be a certain way, again, sometimes we crack under the pressure. So one of the examples I'll use is if I put a two-by-four across the floor of my office, you could easily walk on that two-by-four from one end of the room to the other. But if I suspended that two-by-four between two skyscrapers and asked you to walk from one end to the other, you probably wouldn't do it. Why not? Because the stakes are higher. It's more difficult to do when there's high stakes. So again, if we tell ourselves it's got to be a certain way, it's got to be perfect, I've got to last this long, or I've got to have this kind of sexual experience, or I have to perform like this, it's essentially like raising that two-by-four up between two buildings. You're raising the stakes. You're putting an expectation on yourself, which is now going to make it more difficult to just be natural and enjoy the experience. So the irony is, When you can go into any kind of performance, just allowing it to be whatever it's going to be, enjoying the experience for what it is, taking the expectation off yourself for it to have to go a certain way, it goes better. 
So sometimes that's the you know mindset that I'm working on developing in the client. It doesn't matter how long it lasts. It doesn't matter if there's an erection involved or not. It doesn't matter how it finishes. It's, there's a lot of different ways to enjoy and experience sexuality. There's a lot of different ways to please a partner. There's a lot of different ways to experience connection and bonding and intimacy and pleasure. And therefore, <laughs> it doesn't have to go any certain direction. I may also refer a man to a book on tantric sex or talk to them about um, practices like doing Kegels for a man as a way to gain more control over ejaculation. So you might introduce, if you're familiar with tantric sex, the idea is that you are separating ejaculation from orgasm so that the man can have an orgasm without ejaculating, which means he can maintain his erection longer. In fact, a man can even condition himself to be able to have several orgasms, one after the other, multiple orgasms, without any ejaculation. So for some men, that's the solution, is to be able to develop more muscular control so that they aren't ejaculating and therefore don't have premature ejaculation. They can last longer. And so there's some books. One is The Multi-Orgasmic Couple or The Multi-Orgasmic Man that I would recommend. They're fairly, you know, they don't take a woo-woo spiritual tone necessarily. They're quite practical. They talk about the specific exercises that a person can do in order to develop more control. And so that may be something that I do as well is talk to a man about what those, where those muscles are and how they can be contracted in order to stop ejaculation from occurring, maintain an erection, so that they have practices that they can do during a sexual experience in order to last longer, in order to not come so quickly. So I'm hoping that this has been useful to you and that there's some ideas as to how you could help somebody, again, not just even with premature ejaculation or um, erectile dysfunction, but somebody who's got performance anxiety overall. All of these ideas can be uh, modified. Again, during the consultation, we want to look for relevant past experiences. You know, when did a person ever start to develop discomfort with performing? What was that performance all about? You know, what messages were they given at the time? What messages did they give themselves? How were they made to feel uh, about their performance? And are they just carrying that over into their current experience? So please join me again next week, Friday, same time, 2.30 to 3 for another episode of the Hypno Dojo, giving you ideas to make your practice more effective. Take care. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.